Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. We've been talking about seeing with the eyes of your heart, right? If you've been here for any of this series, if you've watched some of it online, you know, and we talk about this concept a lot anyway, and it's really the thing for you to focus on as a believer is guarding your heart. The reason it is important for you to guard your heart is because your heart is where you believe, right? It's the heart with the heart that we believe and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And everything you experience from God is about what you believe, not how good of a believer you are, but how confident are you that God is who he is, right? That's the difference. The difference in little faith and great faith is not that you have something that this person doesn't or you've done something to get more or any of that type of capacity at all. The only difference in faith in the believer, in the heart of one believer or the next believer is confidence. That's what faith is. It's trust and it's confidence. Are you with me? Because, you know, we've all been part of different circles where, you know, you want to grow your faith and get more faith or whatever, whatever faith looks like to you. But really, the easiest way to understand it is confidence. I am confident that we are standing in this room and y'all are looking at me, listening to me, run my mouth about God today, right? Like, I have no doubt that that is what's happening. I can see it. I can feel it. I'm looking at you. I hear me. It's happening, right? But... That's all faith is. It's just confidence. So today we're going to look at developing confidence in the heart. So let me just throw this graphic up here before I really jump into the meat of where we're going. If you've been here before, you're familiar with this. If you're kind of new to this concept, <clears throat> I would invite you to, and people online as well, we have a Facebook group. We call it Forward Church Online. You can jump in there and we kind of, I'm, I'm trying to jump in there a little bit more and, and flesh out some of the discipleship aspects of this. Also get involved in a home group because we talk about these things in there. But for you to understand what you are now as a believer, as a new creation, having been indwelt by God, it's important to understand conceptually some of what's happening here with the kind of being that you are now. Now, this graph, you know, you, you can't really draw on paper or make a graphic on a computer that defines the dynamics of what you really are. You know, you can't put God in a box, we can't put ourselves in a box. This is just a kind of an illustration, a conceptual depiction of the kind of new creation that we are. Scripturally, if you go through, there's a lot of theology that backs up these under, this understanding, but you start with this. You start with knowing that before you received Christ, before you said yes to what Jesus did for you, and before God put his spirit within you, there was darkness in there. And when you said yes to Jesus, you accepted that what Jesus did was for you to, take, to set you free from sin and death so that you would be born again or become a believer or new creation, whatever the language is. There was darkness at the deepest part of what you are because, there, because sin ruled and reigned there. And what God did is he took that out. He removed 
the body of flesh, as it talks about in Colossians. And he put in there a new core, and hit the core is his spirit. So the thing that defines what you are changed. You moved from a being that was separated from God in your own mind and in your heart to a being that is made one with God. And it's a mystery. It's a union. It's like marriage when we get married in this earth. Paul uses that to describe what happens with us and God. There's a, there's a joining. There's, a, there's an intertwining of his spirit within us. And, and, it, and it won't change. I suppose if you said, here, God, I don't really want this anymore. I reject you. You can take it back. Maybe you could give it back if you choose not to believe anymore. But you cannot perform your way out of it. You didn't perform your way into it. You're not going to perform your way out of it. My recommendation, don't give it back. Amen. Say, I won't give it back. Amen. Keep believing. So this illustration starts as, you know, you are in spirit one with God. You have been made eternal. In that place, you are sanctified, purified. You are redeemed. Amen. You are righteous. You are in right standing with God. If you passed away in this moment and you went before the Father, not one thing would have to change about you. You wouldn't have to repent from another sin. You wouldn't have to go get baptized again. You wouldn't have to do anything as your spirit is leaving your body. You go before the Father, the presence of God. And in this moment, if you've said yes to Him, you're done. You just go and you're with Him forever. Amen? That aspect is the real you. That part of you that moves on is the real you. That real you exists now. And so what we're trying to do is learn who we really are, and live from the power of that place. So that spirit in you has made you perfect. It's made you holy. It has cleansed you, and you cannot stain it ever again. Sin will never affect it. Now, does that mean you should continue in sin? No. Why? That's why what we're talking about. So the heart is the inner man that Paul talks about, the heart is where you believe from, and that heart is where God is ministering to, that God is speaking to you. He's influencing you. In fact, the very definition of grace is a divine influence in your heart. So you can think of grace as like energy or electricity or some kind of power coming from the generator of the Spirit of God within you, giving you power through your heart so that you can live within His power the power of His resurrection, the power of His righteousness, the power of His holiness is your life source. And you can choose to live from it if you want to, if you so choose. And we're going to get to a place today where we talk about the only difference that makes one person better, in air quotes, at doing it versus the other is the level of confidence in that person's heart. Not how spiritual they are, not how holy they've lived, not any of that stuff other than the depth of agreement with who God is in you that you are in your heart, confidence. That's what we're talking about. So God sheds His grace and His light and His love within us, within our hearts, within our inner man. You can almost think of the temple, if you're familiar with the Old Covenant temple, that place where the, the high priest would go in one time a year and meet with the presence of God, and the presence of God would receive the sacrifice. That's the heart. That is where you meet with God, within you. Quit looking for God out there. He's in here. And when I say out there, that means a whole bunch of things. That means the right teacher, the right anointing, the right church. You're in the right church this morning, though, let me just tell you. <laughs> 
uh, and the circumstance, right? How, I need to understand God, so God, I'm going to look out here and this, te- like this, this temporary situation, I'm going to allow it to define my understanding of you. It's backwards. We should understand God first and foremost of who He is in His spirit, who He is by His nature, understand that we've been joined to that. He's leaking that aspect, those aspects of who He is into us through our hearts, right? And so then from your heart, your soul is experiencing this world, right? Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your, your, and that even filter out through your brain into this life. Stimulus happens, something happens to you, you feel it, you experience it, your brain processes it, it creates an emotion, it creates a thought, and whatever's going on in your soul as a result of your interaction with this world, you've got a choice. Whatever's in your soul, do you allow it to write new things on that heart? Or do you allow that new heart to write new things on your soul and on your mind and then affect the rest of your life, right? That's the mind renewal process. So what we're talking about over these past few weeks is the, your heart has eyes. It has the capacity to perceive and imagine and think. As a man thinks with his heart, so is he. Now, again, don't get caught up on the picture, right? Get caught up on the idea that deep within you, you're connected to God. And in that place, you've got a choice to believe the truth about God or to try to filter your understanding about God through the circumstances of of this temporary broken world. Start with a clear and proper understanding of who God is through Christ and then let everything else filter through that. So your role, your job is to guard that heart. And he gives you peace to actually help guard that heart. So if you lose your peace, you're probably going to start looking to the world, the eyes of your heart, your inner man. It looks like this, the imagination, your, your, your imagination, your pondering. When you sit there and you daydream. See, you all meditate. We all meditate. Meditation is this, that you just sit there and you think about something long enough until you feel it. That's really all meditation is. You're thinking about something. Now, most of us meditate, i.e. worry. (laughs) You laugh because it's true. You just worry. You sit there and worry. And, And most of it never even happens. Most of what you worry about never even happens. But you're really good at imagining the scenario, especially if somebody else is in there that's offended you or that's hurt you and you start talking for them in your own head, and you know what they're going to say and do, and you argue with them in your head. (laughs) Hello, you ever been there? Yeah. Let them argue with God inwardly. Just tell that voice, no, you know what, I release that. I'm not going to let myself sit here and spin in this cycle of worry and regret and fear and, and, you know, some of, some of you are arguing with the president in your mind. You're arguing with Hollywood in your mind. You know, all the stuff that's going on, man, I'm telling you, we get worked up. Our soul is overcharged with this world. Now, we should be involved. We should care, right? We should be actively living to influence this world from God within. But we know something. There's a secret that we know. The power that's in us is greater than anything that's in the earth. Anything that's external from you is weaker than that which is in you, which is God. 
That's what we want to do is we want to live from this place of strength, inner strength, inner peace, inner stability, so that nothing can touch you. Like Jesus said, the enemy comes and he's got nothing in me. Can't touch him. So should it be for us, right? That doesn't mean that your life is perfect. Doesn't mean that everything just works out perfectly for you. It just means that what God's put in you can't be taken away. And everything else has to bow to that power that's in you. Not because you're God, but because you live in this strength. Amen? I'm telling you, we know that. But when you're facing life and you choose to let that strength rise up within you, that's the secret. Now, and it's also the reason why you should stay out of sin and why you should stay out of being engaged in this world so much because your heart is hearing from God. And if you're so overcharged by this world or your choices or whatever, sin, you're not going to let yourself yield to that power. And unfortunately, we've been so desensitized through carnal thinking that we question God. We do all the time. Did God really say that by his stripes I'm healed? Like, did he really, like, did he mean that? Here's what I think he meant. I think he meant this, that sometimes we are, sometimes we are. And I think it's timing and we just, we just start making stuff up. <laughs> and we call it a denomination and we build another church building. And we're all wrong in some capacity. I mean, we just are. We just don't know which part we're wrong about. <laughs> so this, this illustration, just to kind of help you understand that you're not a victim of life. You're not a victim of your past. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you have something within you that can transcend and rise above and empower you through anything. Even if God calls you into some aspect of ministry where you are persecuted, tortured, and killed for your faith, the strength that's in you is even greater than that, to that level. Amen? So having said that, Let's look at the rest of this idea. We're going to talk about confidence. We're going to talk about the heart. And then we're going to talk about what it looks like for that to come out of you in the area of gifts and graces. And that's where we're going over the next few weeks. So with this series, we've been looking at this idea that, uh, you know, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world. You could receive the spirit of the world if you want to. And we do it all the time. Flip on the news take on other people's stress and worry, look at the condition of the world and allow that to affect our thinking about God. You could receive the spirit of the world. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we let the spirit of the world, the, world, the way of the world get in us and affect how we live and how we think and how we experience life and how we let God move. So you could, don't do that experience the Spirit of God was, that's in you. So we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who's from God. So just think about that just for a minute. You've received the Spirit that's from God. Are you aware of that? Now acknowledge, just acknowledge that in this moment. Acknowledge Him. He directs your path. He makes your path straight. I have received the Spirit that is from God, the life force, the essence of who God is. I have received that spirit. Amen? Amen? Why? That we might understand the things freely given us by God. 
So God is in you trying to help you understand what he's already given you. And what has he given you? A couple of weeks ago, we walked through Psalm 103. We looked at David's prayer and we looked at some of the new covenant fulfillments of those that are past tense. He has given you. Ultimately, the best way to remember is what's associated with salvation, which is wholeness, preservation, sound mind, provision, deliverance, rescue, safety, uh, healing, all of that stuff that's wrapped up in salvation. He's given you that, and His Spirit is in you trying to help you understand that He's already given it to you. It's pretty clear, right? So, now... I'm going to go into 1 John, chapter 3 is where we're going to go, and we're going to talk about confidence. And I, I want to talk about that for a couple of reasons. One is because, and I, I had a conversation this morning, it was a great conversation. I love questions. I love, you know, discussing and thinking these things through about why this person's healed and why this one's not healed. Why does this one continue to struggle with sin when this one comes out of the darkest past and this boom like that, they're delivered and they never struggle again? Why? All the questions about why associated with each person's experience of God. You ever wondered those kinds of things? Have you ever prayed for something and it didn't happen? You ever seen somebody pray for something that you didn't think was worthy and it happened for them? Well, God? See, if I were God, I think I'd make them... Wait a little while. Yeah. Let them suffer in the pig, pig pen for a little while. I got, oh man, I'm just going to keep going. <clears throat> All right, so let's read through this and then we'll talk about this. 1 John 3.11, this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Pretty simple. That's what we should be about. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he slay him? Because of his own evil deeds, while those of his brother were righteous. So, he's, so what John is doing is he's setting up how believers should be known by their love for their brother. Before that, there was darkness in the earth, and because people were evil, like Cain, murdered his brother. But we love our brother. That's the point here. Uh, because his own deeds were evil while those of his brother were righteous. So do not be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. Now, he's talking to a persecuted church. Uh, we don't really grasp really what he's talking about, what these guys were experiencing back then, you know. I mean, some people do in the earth these days, and you're paying attention to the story, and you may have been in a place where you have experienced great injustice because of your faith, but most of us have, have not. So we have to understand contextually what he's talking about here. But let's keep going. Don't be surprised, brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers. So in other words, the evidence that you are now a follower of Jesus should be that you love people. That's the point. Uh, <clears throat> we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that the eternal that eternal life does not reside in a murderer. By this we know what love is. So here's how you know love is the definition of love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone with earthly possessions sees his brother in need 
but withholds his compassion from him, how can the love of God abide in him? Now, unfortunately, the legalistic world uses things like this to question people's salvation based on their behavior. You're not Christian enough. I'm not so sure you're saved. And if you've ever been in a background that measures your fruit to decide if they think you're saved or not, you know what I'm talking about. I pray that you've not experienced that, but if you have, watch, he keeps going here. So uh, verse 18, little children, let us not love in word and speech, but in action and truth. And this we will know that we, and by this we will know that we belong to God and will assure our hearts in his presence. So if you want to know, if you're, for you, you belong to God. Say, I belong to God. And we're, he actually affirms that at the end. He, he, he uh, reiterates it and gives them a sense of safety and security, but I'll show you. So here's what we're looking at. This last verse, and again, we're talking about confidence in the heart. There's a lot going on here. I'm not going to take the time to go through all the doctrinal points that he brings up in this. What we're talking about is confidence in the heart. Watch what confidence in the heart will do for you, and then watch how to cultivate it and then I want to talk over the next few weeks of what it looks like for you to live out confidence within your heart in the area of the gifts or graces or capacities that God may be leading you to operate in. And they're motivated by love is how, is how we're going to approach it. So by this we know that we belong to God, the truth, and we assure our hearts in His presence or persuade our hearts if our heart condemns us, see, you're engaged in a process to try to persuade your heart. You're engaged in a process to try to trust and believe God, right? Every day, you're trying to connect with God and see Him active in your life in some way, whether it be an area that you're struggling or an area that you just feel like He's leading you to pray, right? Every day, you are trying to experience God being active in your life in some way. Yes? Okay, good. I thought I lost you there for a minute. But. We're trying to experience God in this world. Now, I think most of us are at a place where we realize now you're not trying to convince God through good behavior to want to be active in your life. He's just going to be who he is, a provider, a healer, a source of wisdom, a source of guidance. He's going to be those things. He is those things. He will not stop himself from being those things. The limiting factor is what's going on in us of experiencing those things. Make sense? Confidence is the determining factor of whether you're experiencing them or not. Not your behavior, not your performance, not God's favor on this one over this one, but here's the paradox is your behavior can affect your confidence. It's tricky. If you look at it from a legalistic external perspective and you look at people that are in a fearful, sinful lifestyle and you think God's responding to them based on what their, their behavior, but really he's responding to what's going on in their heart or they're limiting what they can let him do in their lives through their heart. We talked about that over the last couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm rushing through that. I explanation because that's kind of where we camped. But all right, so let's go back and finish this. This is astounding. So if your heart condemns you, so if you're sitting here and you're feeling guilty, you pray. When you try to pray and you're wondering if you're qualified, you're wondering if you've missed it, 
You're wondering if it's too late for you because of something that you've done. Your heart's condemning you. I have good news. God is greater than your heart. God is greater than the condemnation that you are allowing to live within you. Amen? And he knows all things. Beloved, if your heart does not condemn you, and we've talked about this, if your heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And we will receive from him whatever we ask. I don't know about you. That's a pretty bold statement. Think about that. Whatever you ask, you receive from him. Now, you know, I'm not talking about jet planes and gold paved driveways and Bugattis necessarily. I'm talking about the stuff that he has for you, righteousness, peace, and joy, and the fruits of that and what you need to express his guidance in this earth. Are you with me? We're not talking about some type of selfish experience of this. We're talking about a genuine expression of who God is, the stuff that you really need, because that house ain't going to do it for you, but that peace that you need will. Same page? All right. Whatever you ask, confidence in the heart is the determining factor of whether you experience it or not. Are you willing to receive that? I mean, that can be offensive. It can be challenging to swallow that. That means you have a responsibility, and that is to, to be confident toward him, which means also that you've got to get to a place where your heart is not condemning you. That might mean you need to clean up some of that sin habit. That might need, mean you get out of that relationship, but not because once you do, then God's happy with you, and then he blesses you. It's because he's trying to bless you, and that lifestyle is creating condemnation, and you're actually hindering and rejecting what he wants to do through you because you are not receiving it confidently. Do you see the difference? Well, I mean, we talk about it all the time in here, but it's, we have to be constantly reminded of it because we forget. And there's people up there watching online in that plastic thing that we all get to help remember. <laughs> New people all the time. It's astounding. Anyway. The camera online, if you're wondering, what are you talking about plastic thing? <clears throat> 21, beloved, if our heart does not, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we will receive from him every, whatever we ask because we keep his commandments and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now the legalist stops there, but the new covenant believer keeps on reading. I'm so glad he took the time to write down what he meant by that. This is what he meant. And this is his commandment. So if your heart is confident toward God and you're pleasing to him because you're keeping the commandments, what commandments is he talking about? Glad you asked. Verse 23. And this is the commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son. What does that mean? What is the name of his son? Wisdom. Righteousness sanctification, redemption, healer, the preeminent one, the deliverer of my soul, my judge, all of that stuff, right? The authority of his name, not just, oh, Jesus is my savior, but every aspect of who he is, the degree to which you are confident in who God is will be the degree of confidence that you respond to him and let him move through you. 
Now, I'm telling you, there's more personal responsibility in this message because what we're talking about is obedience from the heart, not just external rule-keeping where you feel like you didn't sin because you didn't break the rules, but what's going on in your heart? Where is it, what's going on in your faith toward Him? What's going on in where you, those things that you know that God wants you to be living in, but you're fighting it within? Yeah, you got to deal with the behavior, but deeper within, deal with the desire. That's what He wants. He wants to shape your desires. That's what He's trying to do is leak His Spirit in and through you so that where everything starts, your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, what you even desire, what you think is possible, all of that is transformed by his character and his attributes. You know, one of the ways that you can tell if you're confident toward God is you look at a promise that you know is from him in his word, and it's, it seems difficult for it to manifest in your life, right? So like my mom is going through cancer right now. It's hard to believe for healing sometimes. I'm over there. I pray for her. I'm not stressed out. I'm not worried. I mean, I'm a little worried. I'm not going to lie. But it's like I'm praying and I know what's going on in her body. And it's like this seems kind of, you know, you start trusting in medicine. You trust in this. And that's fine to do that. But I'm just trying to be real. It's like, you know, those areas that we're trying to believe. And if it seems like the promise that God has given you in Christ is somehow difficult in some way, you're carnal in your thinking, doesn't mean you're evil, and your heart is not confident toward God in that area. Amen. That's what it comes down to. Doesn't mean you need to do something to get God to give you more faith. It doesn't mean you need to clean up and become more holy to become more pleasing to God so He will give you more favor. You might need to clean up so that you quit robbing your own confidence. Amen? Amen? Okay. And this is His commandment, that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, the, His authority in full, and we should love one another just as He commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments remains in God and God in Him. And just so, just so you know, He says, basically... And by this, we know that He remains in us by the Spirit He's given us. So what He's saying here is, this Spirit that's, that you're interacting with, you can know that it's in you because He gave it to you, but we're talking about an abiding type thing. There's like a two-level thing happening here. You look at the words of Jesus to lift some understanding out of this. Jesus, when He taught about abiding, He said, allow my... So, you know, abide in me, allow my words to abide in you. If you don't bear fruit, what will he do? King James, unfortunately, says cut you off or cut you away, but the actual word means lift you up, bear, you, bear your weight upon himself. Go back and read that. It totally changes the whole meaning of that. Every good gardener knows that if that, if that branch is alive, you support it, you stake it up. You give it the nutrients that it needs so that it will bear fruit. How in the world would a gardener expect a branch on a tree to bear fruit if he cuts it off and throws it, in the, throws it on the ground and sitting there cursing it because it's not bearing fruit? It's illogical. That's not what he's talking about. And when you even look at it, it's not even, it's not even him cutting away. Anyway, that's a whole side thing. If you're not bearing fruit, he will support you and he will give you the nutrients the, the grace, the mercy, 
the wisdom that you need to bear fruit. So just to kind of summarize again here, if your heart doesn't condemn you, you have confidence toward God, you receive whatever you ask, because you keep His commandments and do what's pleasing in His sight. His commandments are loving Him and loving others. Loving Him and loving others teaches your heart to be confident so that you will receive whatever you ask. Loving Him and loving others teaches your heart confidence so that you will quit limiting God. Now, we want to figure out some kind of mysteries and, and, and secret knowledge. And so we go to original languages and we study symbols and the numbers and this. And it's like, and we're trying to figure out this, like, once we finally get the right information, then it'll all start working for me. You ever been there? You're, you're on, you, you so desperately want to understand because you think your understanding will then make it work. And it's confidence that causes you to experience him in your heart. And the way you develop confidence is you love him and you love people. That's what it says. Are you with me? If you want to know how to get your faith to work, love him and love people. I don't just mean be nice to them. And I don't mean just like, you know, you show them the number one finger instead of the other finger in traffic. <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't mean like I took somebody a cake today or whatever, baked them a meal. I mean, that might be something God calls you to do, but I'll, I'll get to what I mean by that. So, why, so two factors, love him, love people, develops confidence in the heart. Why? Because you're living in agreement with him. Jesus said that all of the law hinges on those two things. As you're living those two things out, you are not creating condemnation within your heart toward him, and you will be, an un, you will be a, just an open fire hose for him to pour through. Now, I'll show you where you might be limiting loving people. We'll get there in a minute. We're actually going to talk about that for the next couple of minutes, but, or next couple of weeks. But the way that you love God, let me ask you this. Why do you love God? Louder. Because he loved me first. We love him because he first loved us. How do you keep the first commandment toward building confidence in your heart? You love him. How do you love him? Acknowledging his love for us. The way that you love him, it's a response. You allow, you, you, and, and you know, and it, it's really so simple. I mean, it, it's like, we go through these teachings and you think you're going to learn something new and you're like, oh, well, we, already, we talked about that last week. I'm really not trying to give you new information. I just want us to come at it from different ways and think about it and grasp the power of letting him love you. It teaches your heart to be competent. And when you're competent, you're not going to limit him anymore. It's just what it says. It's a promise of how it works. You want to know how it works? Get your heart confident toward him. How do you get confident toward him in your own heart? You let him love you. You meditate in everything that he's done for you. You sit within the extravagant love that he's made for you or that he, that he has toward you. In whatever that area looks like for you how, do you, how do you let God love you? Do you take time to let yourself experience it? Because you need to, because you need confidence. You need confidence so that you quit limiting him. You need to quit limiting him 
because the world around you needs you to love them. And that's where we're going with this thing. So this is not really about how do you get stuff from God. This is about how do I live toward this world from God because I'm complete already within me. And that's where we're going. So this other part, loving people teaches your heart to be confident as well. I want to talk about loving people in the context of the gift that he's wanting to work through you as your place in the body. That's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. The gift that God wants to work through you, you coming into agreement with that gift, understanding it, knowing how to work in it, how to walk in it. And I'm talking about gifts like uh, either a fivefold, you know, teaching, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, any of that stuff, or the other stuff where it's talking about the gift of miracles, the gift of discerning of spirits, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, all of that stuff. But we're going to approach it from the perspective of doing it out of love, not doing it for fear of the results. Because a lot of charismatic Christianity, when it starts talking about the gifts and starts prompting and pushing and all this, it's like, it's what you're supposed to be doing. If the church were getting everybody healed, then everybody would be saved. Well, they killed Jesus and he was out healing people. <laughs> there is that. <clears throat> what he actually said is our love for one another is what would compel the world to believe. Amen. Our love for one another, our unity and our understanding of our oneness in God, the whole body of Christ, understanding that, loving one another, and then turning that love toward the world will compel the world to say, God must have really sent Jesus into this earth. That should be the result. People should watch Christians treat one another the way God wants us to and come to the conclusion... God sent Jesus into this earth to save me. <clears throat> and what in the world are we doing as the body of Christ? We're sitting here pointing fingers at each other. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. We're all wrong in some way. So <clears throat> I want to, to, to get you thinking along this path. We're going to start with it this week. And, and the, many of you, op I'll tell you this, you operate in the gift that God wants you to more often than you realize that you do. You already know how to do it. You just need to grow in the experience and confidence of it. That's all it is. You just need to do it a little bit more so you become more confident in it so that when God moves you to do it, you just go ahead and do it and you don't worry about yourself. Are you with me? We're going to go through, we're going to talk about what each one of them looks like, and we're going to expect them to rise up in our hearts and, and trust Him. Now, just so you know, the word gift, when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, is actually the word charise, which is the same word as grace. So a gift of the Spirit is a grace of the Spirit or a capacity of the Spirit. There's one Spirit that works all gifts in all people, but God chooses which gift He's going to inspire to work through this one, and He chooses a different one to work through that one. But it's the same Spirit that works all in all. We're going to go through those passages and show you. A gift is not something that you have that you don't have. You have the same Spirit. You have the capacity to do all of it. But the world and the body of Christ needs us to be flowing in those things and watching us as he's putting his body together. But we're not going to get weird about it. You know, we're not going to blindfold you and make you stand up on the stage and spin you around three times. I mean, I, I don't know, whatever. 
We might do that. I almost never say never. <laughs> but you, you can effortlessly flow in the grace toward others that God wants you to when your motivation is love. And as you do, it teaches your heart confidence toward God. And when your heart is confident toward God, you receive everything that you ask for. Now, that sounds like a formula, but I'm not trying to show you a secret end-around, backdoor play of how to get God to give you stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I finally figured it out. Now this is how I'm going to get my car and my mansion. I'm going to go love people. I'm going to operate my gifts. Now he's got to get there. You know, I don't know. We get weird with that stuff. We're just talking about letting him love us, responding in confidence toward him, not limiting him, stepping into the area in the body of Christ that he wants you in because every single one of you has a place in his body, a very unique, specific place that God will, as he manifests through you, you matter. You are important, and God needs you to be receptive to him, to let him flow through you so that that aspect of how God wants to live in this earth through you is satisfied and fulfilled. And as you do, as you let yourself be fueled by him and led by him, it teaches you confidence, and there's a benefit, you know. Then, then the, 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 that it's more blessed to, to give than receive is not just talking about money. It's talking about that stuff, that spiritual stuff that people need. I'm talking about that spiritual stuff. Sorry, there's a song lyric in my head. I don't even know what that's from. That might be a bad song. Don't Google it. Well, I think it's a Beastie Boys song anyway. So. I mean, I'm, I'm very much as a part of this as you guys are, right? Like, I'm not sitting up here going, I got this all worked out and you better get it. I want to do it together. I want to do it myself. I, I don't want to limit God anymore. I want this body to be known as a body that's like, man, you know, those people left me some big tips and gave me a word, and I've never heard it that way. I just felt like they just cared about me and loved me. You know, those are, that's kind of what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear from as, as we let this bubble up and rise up within this body and in the body of Christ at large, and then we see the impact in this community. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, that's, that is our mission that is our call. That is what God is seeking to do through this place is as you are confident in his finished work within you, you let that come out and you help others experience his radical love for them. It's pretty simple, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're doing it. I mean, you know, we do it. This place does it all the time. I hear testimonies all the time, but I just want to, it's almost like I see that aspect in the garden of this church, and we're just going to pour a little bit of water on that, and it's going to flourish a little bit more, you know. Y'all down for that? Yes. You, you want to pray into that? I don't know. What do they say when you start talking about that? <laughs> do we want to quit limiting God? Yes. Do we want the world around us to see his love through us? Yes. Yes. I do. Yeah. They need it. People need it. People need to know his love. They need to know his power, his strength, his deliverance, his mercy, and understand who he really is. That this is a body that leads with mercy and kindness rather than condemnation and guilt. So prepare your heart, you know, prepare your heart to, it's not going to be hard. I'm not going to give you some sheet 
where you go through and you answer external questions that tells you what your gift is supposed to be, you already know. And they're all in you. They just come out at different times. And maybe there is a formal place in the body to operate in that function, in that office. That may be the capacity. That may be. That may rise up within this as we move in this direction. That's fine. We'll do that. We'll organize the way God says to. But by and large, I just want to be, I want to see you guys so yielded to God that you fall in love with people and you let it spill out in the area that God wants to display His capacities, His grace, His gifts through you. Yeah. The end, right? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We love You. We trust You. We are yielded to You. We just want to see You glorified. We want to see the world come to the saving knowledge of Your Son. We know people. There are people in our neighborhoods and in our lives and in our jobs that are hurting they're depressed and they're broken. God, we, we want to be so consumed and overwhelmed by, um, overwhelmed by your love for us that it just turns into love for other people. And we do it in such a way that displays your power, your leading, your graces, so that you get the glory. We just want to walk in love toward others. Father, I thank you that the added benefit is I become more confident in you. I'm willing. I'm willing to be led by you. I trust you. I trust you. Just tell him you trust him. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.